0: Hello and welcome to the ecod 2 c podcast where we break down the growth strategies behind successful and natural eco based companies um, My name is Luke and i'm really excited about today's episode uh, today. We have sam hager from dash applications um, Sam is a well of knowledge in regards to amazon and is a phenomenal marketer I've had the pleasure of collaborating with him in the past and i'm thrilled to have him here sam. How are you doing today?
1: Good, man. Thanks for having me, Luke. Really appreciate it. Uh, I mentioned this is my first time doing a podcast, so I'll be uh, learning along the way, but I really appreciate you having me.
0: Excellent. I'm so happy you're here. Um, so, Before business, can you tell us something interesting about you that most people don't know?
1: <laughs> That's a little on the spot. Uh, yes, I think um, I, So, I grew up in North Dakota. Mm-hmm. and uh, immediately moved to New York City uh, pretty shortly after graduating college. Mm-hmm. And the apartment building I lived in had more people than the hometown I grew up in. Uh, oh, wow. So that was a little bit of a shocker for me, but uh, that's kind of uh, one of my go-tos when I get the, uh, something interesting, I guess. So small-town kid, have tried out a few big cities, um, landed here in Denver, Colorado now, and it's
0: definitely home. What do you mind if I ask how many people were in the apartment building? I'm also from a super small town.
1: Yeah, I was about the apartment building is about 2,200 people, and I grew up in a town of less than 1,500.
0: That Uh, is, you and uh, I I have have that in common. Yeah,
1: (laughs) yeah. So it was, uh, it was, it was definitely a little bit of a shift for me.
0: Yeah, no, I can imagine. Um, Even now, uh, living in an apartment building of 2,200 sounds interesting. It's a small city, (laughs) man. It's a small city. Yeah. All right. Um, so can you tell us just a little bit about Dash? Yeah,
1: absolutely. Um, so Dash is an applications company. I mean, we, we are intending to be a software company first and foremost. Uh, my business partner and I, Todd Stelt, who's uh he's a former Amazonian, was at Amazon for six years, worked on a lot of great projects there, um, including the Hands Off the Wheel program, which some of the vendors out there might know about. Uh, that was his program, uh, that he pioneered within Amazon. Uh, he and I've been working together for about almost three years, a little over three years now. And, uh, we built a couple agencies, uh, that had a, a major Amazon services component to them. And along the way, we always knew that software was going to be uh, an important part of what we did because there's just, you know, there's hurdles for scale and efficiency in agencies that, uh, you know, really just kind of, uh, growth and we really wanted to attack those problems uh, after having experienced them firsthand and so uh, our half of the business of dash applications we have some other partners that are working on other software applications but we're focusing Mm -hmm. on Amazon specifically Um, so we started with the advertising API because that was the most stable data source that we had to work with Um, also recognize that agencies can provide a ton of value there for their clients and brands so we started with uh, working on some of the analytics uh, that we were doing constantly for our own clients, you know, really mm-hmm. being able to drive down deep into the numbers and answer questions when, you know, our biweekly or monthly calls were coming up to craft that narrative and, and tell the story of what's going on and whether or not strategy that we've implemented is actually working. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, there were a lot of manual processes that we had built on top of Excel and static data sets and things that you know, just eventually break at scale mm-hmm. that just at some point you can't keep up with the manual nature of it. And so we started, you know, knocking out some of those things that we found were the most painful. And that's kind of how dash applications was born. It's just to solve all the pain and anguish that we had kind of experienced on the service side of things.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, as an Amazon consultant myself, I can speak to, um, how, how much of a lifesaver it can be, especially for large accounts to have software that really just streamlines the process and, uh, both on the, just the, the part of just doing your job and implementing a lot of these things and also explaining it in a concise way to the client is, is, is crucial.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It, it you know, it's just, it's one of those things at some point you just have to, uh, you have to look for things that are going to help you uh, scale. And, mm-hmm. and we just looked out in the market and we didn't really have those things at our disposal. You know, we weren't necessarily developers ourselves, nor data scientists. And so we had to leverage some developers, uh, to help us get it mm-hmm. off the ground, but we had a pretty clear vision of what we needed to to make it work. And so that was, mm-hmm. um, you
0: know, that's where we started. Um, So with that, with Dash, you talk a lot about diving into data analytics and drivers of change. Can you describe what some of those major drivers are to those who are unfamiliar with the platform?
1: Yeah. We're looking to
0: scale on the platform.
1: Yeah. Not to get too far into the weeds, but the the basic application is like, like, look, when you have numbers and you're an agency or a brand and you're looking and you're trying to say like, hey, okay, happened this month versus last month. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we I was trying to look across all of our campaigns, our ad groups, our keywords, and looking at it and saying, okay, what actually drove that change? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and so we're looking at metrics like spend and sales and ACoS, but also down into conversion rates, CPC, CTR, things like that. And we had really implementing this concept called a, a bridge which is, is commonly used in finance to mm-hmm. basically look at one period of time of performance over another period of time and understand what actually changed in between that and what actually mm-hmm. might have been the drivers of those things. And so uh, we built that out for Amazon and we do it both for operational data as well as advertising data. So that includes things like buy box and sessions as well as on the ad side, your, like I said, the ACOS mm-hmm. and the spend and sales. And the idea there is that when you are walking into a meeting with your clients or you're walking into a meeting with your stakeholders at your brand, they're going to ask questions and Mm -hmm. you want to have the answers to the questions. Okay, so our conversion rate dipped by 5% why so Mm -hmm. what we can do with that bridge is you can you can download the bridge. And, uh, basically it's going to tell you exactly what contributed to that change and in what proportion. So whether Mm -hmm. that's a certain campaign or maybe a couple of keywords, let's say, um, all of a sudden somebody started conquesting your, uh, brand terms on Amazon, Mm -hmm. we're going to see that relative CPC increase, uh, down to the keyword level of which terms that they're targeting. And you can mm-hmm. immediately identify where you're getting some of that, um, you know, some of those degradations are coming through. So we think it's a really powerful thing. It was just something that we did all the time, uh, you know, to start having those conversations with our clients. And it, it really enables you to just be the smartest person in the room um, mm-hmm. as you're getting asked these questions. And, you know, sometimes you get some pretty intricate questions like what's mm-hmm. actually happening here. Um, and we wanted to have those answers at hand. And so that's, that's where the bridge development came from.
0: Excellent. Um, So there's a lot that we could get into regarding Amazon today. Specifically, I would like to dive into how the marketplace is changing and how this affects marketing strategy for brands, both large and small. And so you and I have discussed various angles um, of -hmm. this particular issue, but just for just to just to take a step back and you know, for for everybody listening, how how in your eyes, is the marketplace changing and evolving? Because it's not the same place it was uh, three and four years ago. Yeah, you know,
1: and everybody's going to have a different perspective of this depending on when they came on to Amazon for what intention and, you know, and what angle they're coming at it from. But, you know, from our standpoint, relatively speaking, I think the days of arbitrage and finding a niche that just hasn't been exploited yet, um and being able to white label a product from China and slap on a sticker and a brand and and throw it on Amazon and be successful, I think I think those days are pretty much over. Mm -hmm. Um mainly because those niches have already been exploited or found. Um, you know, the the speed to manufacture for folks is really, really quick with the Alibaba Expresses of the world. And so, um, you know, I think the way to compete now and in the way that the marketplace has changed is that it's going to reward those folks that have a coordinated strategy. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, for those that got in early and built reviews, uh, that's a competitive advantage that probably isn't going to be overcome for those that are now mm-hmm. entering the marketplace and are trying to succeed. Maybe it's a small brand against a big one, which we've talked about a little bit. Um, you know, you've got to start by building a great product, that's first and foremost. I can't get around that because at the end of the day, um, you know, most of that conversion and most of your chance, your fighting chance is going to be predicated on your ability to get really good reviews um, Mm -hmm. and, and be able to uh, compete on price or other value props that, you know, other people haven't really focused on yet. So, I think it's um you know to be successful today you have to have a brand strategy beyond just uh I'm going to find this product that nobody else has done yet and throw it on Amazon and hope that it works and mm-hmm. and that means probably having a DTC site it probably means having some marketing budget that you know a lot of the small brands really just don't yet understand um how how much of a, a a strategy that they have to have in place to be successful. Meaning like you can't just throw $500 at ads and hope that you're going to be on number on first page for some high volume term. Like that's not going to happen anymore. Um, and so you have to be be able to, uh, last, you know, through the initial stages of, um, you know your your inventory turns and maybe not happening as fast as you thought where you don't have as enough enough cash flow to play um with some of the marketing things you want to do you really got to plan for those things and you got to understand where your break even points are at um as you start to accelerate and and really just it's really about having some cash flow to play with so that you can actually um go make some progress and some mem- momentum and understand whether or not you have something worth pursuing
0: mm-hmm. right so assuming we're discussing a brand that has um that has a good product what because you know this marketing budget question comes up a lot what would you say is would you say that if that there's a minimum pay to play when it comes to amazon ads or and if so what and yeah this does depend on category but what if you were starting a brand in amazon what is the minimum that you'd want to have to throw at it
1: No, I mean,
0: (laughs) (laughs) as much much as you'll give me, Um, I I would love a
1: ton of money. I think what it really comes down to, Luke, and like you said, number one, context is importance is really important here that the category is going to matter. So Mm -hmm. when you look at the category and you look at the first page of Amazon and and you're trying to figure out, well, how much are my competitors doing in relative sales volume? Mm -hmm. Some tools out there that will actually tell you that. Um, There's some Chrome extensions and things like that that you you can dig into those numbers a little bit, at least directionally to understand Mm -hmm. because the two things you really need to understand there are number one, how much volume are they doing on a unit basis? Because Mm -hmm. if you can't get close to that, if you're, if you're not even close yet um, you got a long ways to go and you got to figure out how to get there because the, the rankings are going to be highly predicated on unit volumes on a day to day and then moving average basis and then your Mm -hmm. conversion rates and and your reviews. So um, if you're not, converting at a high rate, if you're not, you know, if your volume isn't, uh, isn't at least in the ballpark of the first page, um, you're probably not going to stick there for a while. So when you, when you talk about marketing budgets, um, I always say, I always say, what would it take for you, uh, to win those terms consistently and how many, how many conversions do you need to get to make a difference? So here, a practical example would be, uh, let's say you've got a thousand dollars and it's about a dollar a click. So you can get a hundred clicks or sorry, you can get a thousand clicks at a dollar a click. Um, and you're going to convert 10% of the time. So you can get a hundred orders. Does a hundred orders move the needle for a given keyword search term? If it does, that's enough, that's enough, uh, budget. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, what I, th- I think what a lot of folks make the mistake of is that they say, okay, I have a thousand dollars to spend and I'm going to spend that thousand dollars across the 10 or 20 products that I have in my catalog.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: The problem with that is that you are you are spreading yourself so thinly
0: mm-hmm. that
1: you're not having any relative or, or any uh, you're not really having any kind of significant impact on the unit volumes relative to your competitors. So if you're only mm-hmm. getting onesie, twosie conversions, across all of your products in your ads, it may look really good, but you're probably not having a large impact on the algorithm, the search algorithm to say like, Oh, this product is converting at a really high rate and its unit volume is relatively close, excuse me, to that first or second page of results. Um, and and therefore it's really just not going to make that much of difference. So you just spent a thousand dollars in advertising to really not, Change the game at all for you, so mm-hmm. I think what's more important is focusing that spend into a product that's going to make sense, and you know you can have number one you've got some good reviews to start with, mm-hmm. like don't market before you've got decent reviews that are going to compete well uh in you know when they're put up against all your other competitors and in so let's
0: form. let's pause there for a second because yeah. um that that's a really important point, so you're suggesting that before launching Amazon PPC efforts at all, having how many reviews that are just glowing Yeah, and tapping your friends and family to have at least five to 10, what, what number are you thinking of here?
1: Yeah. And I wrote an article about this too, because I think it's, it's one of those things like if you're going to spend a thousand bucks, where are you going to spend it? If you don't have the reviews yet, do mm-hmm. like spend your efforts there, even if it's not monetary. Mm-hmm. Um, I said in the article, I think it's around, it's somewhere around 10, really good reviews. Now that's right. huge caveat, right? It depends on who you're competing against and what the category mm-hmm. looks like. But you know, it's so I would say get five, as many five star reviews as you can up front, even if it's five or 10, which Amazon has the early reviewer program, which you can get up mm-hmm. to five reviews through. Um, you know those first couple of reviews have to be really good and they matter because they're gonna help you know just mitigate some of the you know unfortunately bad reviews that are that will inevitably come through mm-hmm. um, so five to ten before you start advertising because without any reviews you're just not going to convert you're throwing money into a black hole mm-hmm.
0: and before jumping back into into ad discussion so I I can already hear a lot of the questions um, that I often get when this topic is brought up. Of you know, like if they're you know if, if someone is putting money into getting reviews, what exactly do you mean by that? What um, are we talking uh, email drip sequences? Are we talking many chat like uh, type messenger flows on Facebook? Um, are we talking sort of gray hat review groups? What um, what do you in particular have in mind?
1: Yeah. I mean, I certainly don't recommend anything gray hat. Like, I I mean, but at this, cause it is, it's one of those things where you don't want to get your account suspended. You got to be careful and you got to, you definitely have to abide by the, by the terms and guidelines of the community. But, um, I think what's been most effective is certainly friends and family. Like people miss Mm -hmm. this, which is, like give them, you know, you can't necessarily give them a code for a review, but you can say, Hey, can you help me out? And just yep. getting those initial ones from your, network, if you can get 10 to 20 from your people, like all the better. And it's going to give you a huge, uh, first step in, in actually being able to build some momentum on the platform. Mm-hmm. Um, what I recommend, and I, I think the, we chat, I think the building out of like a chat workflow is, is p- probably pretty, um, pretty ambitious for an early brand that, you know, has probably just a few people in house and doesn't mm-hmm. maybe doesn't have that competency to build out. Um, the simplest one is in the short term, you can mm-hmm. literally message your, uh, you can message every customer through Amazon's, uh, in messaging interface. Mm-hmm. If you can do it manually and sustainably do it and just be like, Hey, what do you think of our product? We would love if you left a review and let us know what you thought. Mm-hmm. Um those kinds of follow-ups will go through an email. And, um, you know, once you are getting to some scale, I mean you can certainly implement a third mark or third party uh, email tool. Uh actually one of the tools that we've worked with before, it's one of our partners of Dash is called Feedback Wiz. And mm-hmm. I just saw in their product release that came out that they now allow you to send specific emails to first time purchasers, uh, versus like second, third, fourth, fifth time purchasers.
0: Oh, that's a nice caveat, which to, is to a, yes,
1: yeah, huge, yeah. uh, huge, that is a, that is a massive benefit because mm-hmm. when you know they're a first time customer, you can talk to them in a way that makes sense for your brand. And you can, you can nurture that customer, mm-hmm. um, to make, to, to just win somebody that is going to be loyal to your brand for a long, long time and is going to actually make, all of this effort worth it. Mm. So um, yeah, definitely email drip campaigns, I think is the best way to go about it early on and Mm. and talk to your customers. Mm -hmm. I mean, they are going to give you so much good information and and they do a lot of that through feedback and reviews. And the brands that I've seen do it really well are the ones that jump on any kind of customer service uh, complaints immediately. Mm -hmm. Like just do not let those hang talk to every single customer that you can early on. If you do nothing else, do two things. Number one, keep your inventory in stock. Because you, can, <laughs> you, can, you cannot win anima, Amazon yeah. without that. Um, and number two, talk to your customers. Do not allow some issue that even maybe Amazon created through fulfilling mm-hmm. improperly, um, to fester and, and turn into a bad review. Cause that, that is, a really hard thing to get over in the early stages.
0: Yep. Um, just to clarify a couple of things uh, for, for listeners, because we're moving through um, quite a few things pretty quickly here. So when, when uh, what Sam is talking <clears throat> about in, um, in reference to messaging your customers on Amazon directly through Amazon System, you can do that through Seller Central, and you do want to be very careful not to directly incentivize them um to uh um to leave those reviews. Like it is it is entirely okay to say, and you can this is very easily Googled. Um you can say like, hey, we would love your feedback. What you cannot say is like, hey, we will give you a discount or anything of that nature. Right. Um, <clears throat> but reaching out to customers highly recommended, just be just be very careful about how um about how you word it, because if you word it in the wrong way and Amazon catches it, they will flag and potentially suspend your account. Um, so I just wanted to make sure to, to make that clear and, um, the email sequence campaigns that we are referring to, uh, refer to uh, a lot of people who use feedback genius or AMZ Mailer or any number of other services. And basically uh, this is an automated email sequence that goes out to, um, customers who, who are purchasing a product on Amazon. Um, I personally have not worked with one that, uh, that Sam just mentioned feedback ways you said.
1: Correct. Yep. And I've got a promo code for folks if they'd like it. It's, um, you get 30 days free, I think when you sign up mm-hmm. and then I've got a code, um, that I can, that we can share in the notes, I think maybe afterward that, uh, is 50% off your first month. So excellent. you can at least try it out, try it out and see if you get any traction from it.
0: What do you think about, um, how a lot of, and we will wrap this around the ads here, uh, here in a little bit, but What do you think about um, all the companies that are are canceling their email drip sequences because they're seeing so many customers opt out of receiving emails from sellers at all? Because that's a fairly high number of people these days.
1: Make it valuable. You know, I mean, when you're talking to your customers, don't spam them, like Mm -hmm. make it, make it worth their while to open it. I mean, you know, no, let them know that you're there to help if they have any issues with their order um, maybe even surprise them with a gift, you know, a, you know, something like a sampler or a, a percentage off, not, not for a review. Um, mm-hmm. but you know, just you, you guys have inboxes. Like I have five different email addresses that I monitor. <laughs> right. And so the things that I open are the things that are valuable to me. And, and that seems, yeah, it, it's really like, it's a little bit of a cop out to say that, but I mean, if you were the act as though you were the customer, what would you want to see from this brand that you had never interacted before? If they are in fact already opted out and you didn't have much to do with that. Mm -hmm. Um, it's, it's just part of the game, man. I I don't really know how to get around that truthfully. And and it's, um, but people don't generally opt. I mean, and they can't technically opt out of order related info. So, Mm -hmm. um, You know, if it's order related and and I don't know the specifics around how they determine what's order related versus, you know, what are like marketing emails, Mm -hmm. but, um, you know, certainly something to look into. I mean, you have, you have to be able to communicate really important information to your clients or your customers. So, um, it's just part of the game, unfortunately.
0: What size companies do you see using many chat flow successfully? Because I certainly hear a lot of news about this from, um, from Amazon, you know, seller communities that are especially focused around sort of like hacking the channel and mm-hmm. things like this. And, um, the, the open rates of receiving, uh, messen- messages through messenger are way higher than email and there's no opt out. But, um, and this might be news for some people listening. Um, Amazon is changing, uh, might be changing soon. They've announced they're going to change, but they haven't changed yeah. it yet. There was a date that passed, but they, uh, the way that we access information on Amazon to be able to even do, follow up with customers on Facebook Messenger might be altered in some really dramatic ways yeah. um, in the relatively near future. Um, so depending on what time you're listening to this, it might be relevant, it might not be, or it yeah. might just be very changed, um, which is the nature of Amazon uh, at this moment in time. But what, what is a scenario in which you would recommend using that tool, if you recommend using that tool?
1: So I haven't used that one in particular, but I know people are doing it in a, in a couple different ways. Um, mm-hmm. It's not technically, I mean, oh yeah, this is a really, this is a tough gray area. Mm -hmm. Um, I think there's a lot of companies trying to figure out how to leverage the audience data in Amazon, including Mm -hmm. your orders, literally your customer list coming out of the orders reports um, that you can both download in Amazon as well as uh, comes through the MWS API. But Mm -hmm. uh, this is one where I don't know enough about it to say yay or nay. Like, okay. should or should not. I think because of what we saw happen in Germany, uh, that's what I've heard, is that it, it stemmed in Germany from, uh, uh, Germany actually As what we heard was that they were suing Amazon because of the use of that uh, private data. And that's what kind of, st- Sparked this uh, maybe pullback on showing the first name, last name, and and mm-hmm. address of the or of the customers in those FBA orders, mm-hmm. which you still have to use that information one way or the other because there's a bunch of fulfillment things that have to happen, especially if you're merchant fulfilling. So, um, I think there's still going to be some potential to do that, I think that Amazon is probably just going to have to come out and say like, yes, you can do this. No, you can't. They know it's happening. There's no doubt Mm -hmm. that they know it's happening. They just can't track it. Mm -hmm. Um, if they were smart, they would probably just build their own, but, and they might be working on that. Uh, -hmm. and, uh, I think from a size of company, it's like, look, if you have the competency and the time and resource to be able to do it, try it. Mm -hmm. Um, you didn't hear that for me because I don't actually know, uh, how that aligns with the terms of service with Amazon. But, um, I know that there's a few companies that have built uh, solutions around this very thing, including the one you, you mentioned,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, give it a shot. It's certainly a good way to talk to your customers. I just, I don't know enough about it to give you uh good advice one or the other. Sorry. That's
0: that's totally fair. Yeah. Um, so just to wrap this background of the process that we were going through, um, and correct me, uh, if and when, you know, I missed something here, but you know, for, for brands that are, you know, measuring the channel, trying to get onto the, uh, trying to get onto the platform, um, you recommend in this order first, measuring your spacing, what unit velocity you would have to really have in order to compete for the keywords that are important in your category. Mm-hmm. Um, investing in reviews from the outset, um, you know, having, you know, five, ideally 10, Uh, you know, uh, strong reviews that will, that will help you convert, you know, more traffic. Um, And then depending on, depending on your space, depending on some of these other calculations that you've done, diving into Amazon PPC, Uh, or am I I getting something wrong there?
1: I think there's probably a couple interim steps. I mean, um, the PPC makes sense when you know that you're going to convert on mm-hmm. your page. And so that reviews are first and foremost, the, the largest piece of that, I think, mm-hmm. um, because good, great reviews can overcome a whole lot of other sins, including like poor content and, mm-hmm. you know, maybe premium pricing for a non-premium product. Like great reviews can overcome a ton of things and actually can lead to a whole lot thicker margins for your, for your brand. Mm-hmm. Um, can't under, understate the importance of that. It's like the one thing, on Amazon that can't be taken away from you. Well, if you didn't like go get <laughs> reviews, of course. But, uh, you know, it's like the one thing that allows uh, you know really great products and brands that are maybe just starting out and getting into the category late to actually compete. Um, mm-hmm. But I would say, Luke, there's a, the one thing that I think you have an opportunity early on to experiment a little bit with your listing.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: what I mean by that is you're going to write your content as best you can. And it's going to be based on very little information because you just don't have much to work with yet. Um, If you've been around for a while, if you've already got data from your PPC, things like that, you can use all those different data points. But um, what I would recommend in the first couple of months is really look at opportunities to optimize for conversion rate. So what I mean is, is, you know, if you have, if you know you have a steady flow of people and your conversion rate is relatively high or low to the, to the category, to what you see on your own website, to what you think it should be, mm-hmm. start poking around on things that maybe are, are barriers for conversion on your page. That mm-hmm. could include like not really explaining how to use, uh, the product that you're, <laughs> that you're showing. Maybe it's, uh, maybe there are a couple reviews already that are kind of telling you, what people actually really care about. Um, you know, Focus on those things. Go look at your competitor's listings and see what are the things that most commonly get asked about because they're not clear. What are the most common things that get harked on because they're poor, um, poor quality or poor uh, aspects of the product of your competitor? Um, those are really good opportunities to exploit because it's just, you're looking at it and going, well, if I speak to that point, people when they're relatively comparative shopping all thing other things you know held equal are probably going to go to the one that actually speaks to that pain point that remember Mm -hmm. a a customer on amazon went there to find something that is that is fulfilling a need or what we would call like a job for them Mm -hmm. and you probably have that product you just have to tell them that it solves their job which is kind of benefits based copy um Mm -hmm. to do this scientifically early on you have a little bit more of a leash to do this because if you change your listing content way down the road when you've already built a ton of momentum, there's a much higher risk that you're going to mess up the indexing, uh, within the algorithm. So you can Mm -hmm. do this early on the other piece of data or the layer that is really, really nice to have is the PPC data because Mm
0: -hmm.
1: you are going to know based on the keywords that you're targeting, exactly what rate you convert at on that Mm -hmm. keyword. And you don't get that data anywhere else. So it's almost worth having 500 to a thousand bucks per product per ASIN uh, to go experiment early on, on specific keywords to understand. And I would look at it as trade spend, like this is an investment. It's not, not to hit a 10% A cause off the bat. right? It's a thousand bucks to figure out how you can optimize your product page to literally go make you a hundred thousand in the next, you know, six, seven, 10 months. Right? Like that's, mm-hmm. that's the point is that you have to look at it as an investment to do data discovery. That's going to inform you how to shape and message your, uh, detail pages in a way that actually makes sense and, and is converting on the things that matter.
0: And, For using, um, you know, for using PPC in this way to discover, you know, what keywords uh, you're converting well for, what keywords you could be converting well better for that maybe um, you'd like to target, Uh, how, obviously, you know, in the beginning there's, when you're looking at competitor reviews and you're mining competitor listings for data and you can pull some tricks with some tools out there to see what keywords are likely converting for, things like this. Um, You know, that can be done right at the outset when you're optimizing a listing, but as time goes on, you know, how, is there a general benchmark that you have for like, oh, like now it's good to do a review to see, you know, like what keywords we might be, we might want to, you know, display more prominently in the listing. Um, is there, is that something you recommend doing periodically to review it? Is this something you would only do that would be triggered by like, hey, our conversion rate's like pretty low, what's going on? Um, there's a lot of factors at play, but would you recommend this as like a, oh, like, I launched it into Amazon three months ago. I have all this data. We're going to reoptimize, and then we don't have to worry about it. Or is this something you'd recommend doing say every quarter? And I know, I know it's a big great, question.
1: It's a great question. I mean, there's, there's a ton of different triggers that could inform this. I think mm-hmm. um, a couple of things. Number one, um, if, if you just aren't seeing enough sales, mm-hmm. great trigger. <laughs> like go look at, go figure out, go yeah. figure out why right? And conversion rate is the first place you should start. Why are we not converting on the things that we should? Mm -hmm. Um, the other triggers are when you are running your ads, whoever is running your ads Mm -hmm. should kind of have that running list of keywords that maybe aren't performing as well as you, as they should be, or relative Mm -hmm. to the rest of your set. And you're saying like, look, we're, we're getting served on this, or maybe we're not even getting served on this yet because we haven't had enough conversions for the ad server to say like, Oh, this makes sense for that keyword, because if you don't have those conversions or you're not making those keywords or metadata clear in your listing, Mm -hmm. um, you won't get served for it in the first place. So there actually might be some hidden keywords that you're like, why am I not showing up for this? Mm -hmm. Um, So a really good way to do that, and I guess I'm kind of making this up on the fly, but when you do your initial listing, you should have a list of maybe five to 15 Uh, What we'd call your head terms the keywords that you think are most important and basically those are the ones that are going to be the most commonly searched have the highest Mm -hmm. volume of visitors uh, customers on them as well as those that um, are most core to your category um, Mm -hmm. and are defining of your product. So Um, those will generally cover the vast, you know, the 80 to 90% of search terms or search phrases, what people are actually searching into Amazon to find your products. Mm -hmm. These are the terms that are going to cover that. So when you have that list, I would do a periodic review, maybe once every other month, maybe every Mm -hmm. three months. So to, to the quarter basis and check to see what your conversion rates against those terms are. And what you're gonna also do is, it's not just conversion rates, it's probably also like, am I getting served on this term? Mm -hmm. A little hard to know how much volume is out there to to actually understand like, well, what's my impression share? Like Amazon doesn't give you any of that info right now. You can kind of get into it from some other tools. Mm -hmm. But um, if you look at it and you go, man, that should be a much higher, a more highly searched term or we should be getting served on that, that's a good trigger to say like, oh, on the terms that really matter for my product, these are the ones that are not working very well. Another um, piece of data that's pretty important is to look at where you're ranking on those terms. Yeah. So if you have the five terms that matter most to you, monitor this and there are tools out there that do keyword tracking mm-hmm. that will allow you to actually see like over time, am I improving my organic ranking? Because at the end of the day, that's what it's all about on Amazon mm-hmm. is are you visible for the things that really matter for your product mm-hmm. when people are searching those keywords into the search bar. Um, if you are not showing up in the first couple pages, that's a probably a really good indicator that you need to go optimize for that and start mm-hmm. boosting volume on that keyword specifically, um, which can be done in a couple different ways. So long-winded way to say, I think it's, you know, relative to where you started, are you improving? You know? Mm-hmm. Um, and as you're growing volume and you're getting more and more new customers there, sometimes conversion rates are gonna drop because relatively, like you're growing a huge audience that is maybe a little less qualified and doesn't know about your brand yet. So there's a little, there's some ways to cut through that noise and it and it really comes back to the ad data. So compare it against those terms that are really important um, mm-hmm. periodically and say like, is this, is, are we performing how we
0: expect it to perform? Right. And so there's a couple, there's a couple things that come to mind. Um, some things that I know from that I know sellers are going to run into. Um, one, uh, measuring what your conversion rate is, uh, you know, and having, how would, how would you personally set the bar for knowing whether or not your conversion rate is low or high? Because this is something a sellers really struggle with to know like how they're, how they're comparing what it should be. Amazon has a, con, uh, has conversion rates that are famously higher than other platforms, mm-hmm. but within your own category, it varies widely. Yes. Um, widely between categories. Sorry, I misspoke there. Um, so, you know, we can look up generalities, um, between categories, depending on you know where we are, um, would you recommend simply you know using some of these uh, you know Chrome extension tools that you talked about, where you can do some very you know some pretty granular analysis of. How much like uh, what your competitors estimated revenue is Mm -hmm. how many units are moving? Is that the benchmark that you would measure against of the products that are the most similar to yours on Amazon? Or is there another tool that you would recommend using to know what your target conversion rate is?
1: Yeah I mean that's a good place to start with your competitor Mm -hmm. data to just say like are we even in the ballpark right now of you know the, the units that we should be at because if you're showing up for impressions and on those really key terms, and you're not converting, you're probably not going to be close on a unit volume standpoint. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're you're likely not going to be able to back into conversion rates for them, um, mm-hmm. unfortunately. So, I I mean, it's all going to be based kind of on your own benchmark. So, you got a couple different places of of information for that. Number one, your own website. So, what's your conversion rate on your own website? probably going to be quite a bit lower than Amazon. Mm-hmm. You know, I would expect Amazon to be a, at least a three to five X, um, yeah. you know, on conversion rate relative to your website. Um, you might have some Google search ad data to, to tell you, uh, what the conversion rates are. Um, and then I think more importantly is just relative to yourself. So mm-hmm. at this phase, when you first launched, what was your conversion rate? Okay. Mm -hmm. Is that relatively improving? And like I said, in the operations data, if you are growing a ton of sessions month over month, your conversion rates are naturally going to drop simply because you just have a ton more new eyeballs on the listing that are learning about your brand. So the, the, the better way to do that is to use the PPC data and just Mm -hmm. say, okay, for these keywords that I've been targeting for the last three months, am I getting better on these conversion rates or not? And there's obviously, you know, some fluctuations within that. And there's some, some caveats to be had, but, um, those are, you know, if you really want to get scientific about it, that's where I would benchmark the conversion rates and say, are we getting better or worse?
0: And I mean, this is an interesting thing to get into because especially when you're talking about PPC and especially when you're talking about, um, head terms, the, When we're talking with brands about what keywords they should be paying attention to, you mentioned, you know, like the five to 10, like identified as like most important. Mm. Um, I feel like, and please correct me or please jump in if you disagree, but there's, there's a very big difference between identifying. These are the long tail keywords or even the head terms um, if we can do it, which is difficult um, that we know we're going to convert for consistently because we have enough data in the PPC and we've been running these campaigns for long enough to really know where we're at with them right now, and then we might reoptimize to try to increase, uh, to try to increase our ranking for certain long tail keywords, especially. But doing this for head terms because I can see a lot. I mean, a a lot of you know listeners, you know, um, hearing this and being like, well, like I know what the head terms are in my category, and they're featured prominently in my listing, and I was doing you know, uh, either I can't get, you know, I'm not getting the conversions for them where I was getting the conversions for them. And then all of a sudden, like I'm getting blown out of the water by the competition on ad mm-hmm. budget, um, mm-hmm. or any number of fluctuations that happen because head terms are finicky. Yeah. Um, so how, so when you say those five to 10 keywords, are you talking about long tail specifically and head terms, if you can get it or you talk, or are you just talking about this in a much broader sense?
1: Yeah, I'm I'm glad you clarified that too, Luke. This is this is kind of what we talked about the other week, right? And it's mm-hmm. um I'm speaking in generalities because mm-hmm. the, the reality is is that if you are in a really competitive category, you are not going to compete on those head terms right away. And it's probably because your competitors just are number one, a way more established brand mm-hmm. um that you are just not going to get the, the brand name recognition and that boost of conversion, um, on mm-hmm. that sole fact. Um, number two is that you have to look at your re- reviews and price point relative to the competitors that you're getting surfaced against. Mm-hmm. So if you are not even in the ballpark of, you know, the reviews and price point that your competitors are, are listing at, Um, Mm -hmm. you need to take a step back and start growing, uh, your brand presence and some of the, and, and focus on converting on some things that you can win. So what we had kind of talked about was, you know, if the head terms are out of reach right now, because I've only Mm -hmm. got a thousand bucks and the CPC all of a sudden jumped to $4 and I, and it's not even close to profitable on this product. Mm -hmm. Um, even over the lifetime value of the product, which is something that I talk about a lot with our clients. Um. But, uh, if you're not in that ballpark and you're not seeing success on the head terms or what would be the most important stuff, my recommendation is to go find the things that number one, you are showing signs of life on. Um, Mm. and number two, that you, you think might be good opportunities based on what you found in your other channels or just what is the really core component of your, of your product. So Mm. I'm not saying don't spend on the head terms right away. Mm. What I'm saying is keep your bids relatively low. If you know, you can't compete yet on those yep. head terms, right? Then take the majority of your budget and go focus it on the stuff that is working so far and mm-hmm. dominate it. So right. when we talked about the rank tracking, if you can find the five to 10 long tail keywords that are maybe way more specific from a feature standpoint. And, and so let's say, let's say you're in the water bottle category, right? Mm-hmm. Huge category major players in it, Hydro Flask, Simple Modern, and all these others, right? And you, you come up with a, a brand new bottle that's gonna change the game. But mm-hmm. you, you don't have the 3,000 or 4,000 reviews that these other listings have and you need to start somewhere. So let's say it is, uh, um, let's say it's, it measures the water, that you, maybe it's a smart bottle, right, mm-hmm. okay? So the way to, that you're gonna go do it is like, well, you're not gonna win water bottle off day one what you need to go in is smart bottle or smart bottle with water drinking tracking, you know? Sure. So look in the, and if you're using some auto campaigns or some broad match in your keyword in your advertising, mm-hmm. you're going to find what those qualifiers are around the head terms or, you know, that are modifying, like really getting deep into what is the, what it re- really describes your product. Go win those first. And, mm-hmm. and what this does is it's not just, Hey, I can, I'm going here because I can win. You are now not only giving Amazon signals that you are, you can convert on ads, but you're also telling them that for these keywords, I'm super relevant. And so what it allows them to do is if you have that rank tracking set on these keywords that we kind of just described, Mm -hmm. if you can go dedicate budget to that and then start seeing the needle move on those keywords, what Mm -hmm. you're allowing yourself to to do is you're going to, you don't have to pay for those placements forever because Mm -hmm. if you can go win the first spot on some of those long tail stuff. Now, all of a sudden you go from this baseline of sales to this baseline of sales every mm-hmm. month that you didn't have to pay for. And that is gonna allow you to go compete relatively both from a, because now Amazon knows you exist, they know you're converting well, it's mm-hmm. gonna give you so many more efficiencies to go compete on the head term. So, to summarize, when you are early and you can't compete on head terms and you can't even spend there because you're not indexed, go find the stuff that you know you can dominate and win yep. the first page for that stuff first. That's going to allow you to go leverage other things and actually move on and start and start you know swinging upward at those head terms
0: yep no, yep. I totally I agree one hundred percent I think a lot of i think a sticking point that a lot of companies find themselves in when they're going after long tail keywords is there really is by definition so much traffic this those those keywords are getting um, and so even if they are dominating it, they might not be you know using uh using all of their budget or they might just be, they might just be, there's only so much traffic that a these are gonna get. So there's only so many sales you're gonna be able to get from it. Um, personally, when it comes to those scenarios, um, I mean, really just, I believe it just comes down to patience. Um, I'd love to hear your thoughts, but uh, I think it comes down to patience and I think it comes into just investing in um, as, as much as you can afford early on. So you have the data to really make those decisions.
1: Yeah, patience is a big piece of it. I mean, we talked about it kind of at the top of the call, right? Which is mm-hmm. you have to be able to weather the storm. Yeah. Um, the the spend you put out there right away is not going to return profitably. It's just mm-hmm. not. And so even more than patience is probably expectation. Right. You know, so if you're working with a client or you are the brand on Amazon, you need to be realistic about what your expectations are. And the, and the way that you can be realistic and, and understand where you fit is to go get some of that competitor data and say well where are they at how many mm-hmm. reviews do they have what's their brand presence how much are they spending do we think you know get really realistic about what they are doing to be successful and then look at your cash flow and your marketing budget and your review count and say well okay we've got a long ways to go um you know to your point about being patient early on i think it's um take the wins where you can get them but know mm-hmm. that like this is a you have to play the long game and this also per our earlier conversation like you are not just going to drop on Amazon and win the category right away it okay. just doesn't happen anymore and and frankly the ones it's very rare that a product is going to win on Amazon without having brand presence off of it so Okay. This is a really important concept because what a lot of people don't understand is that if you have people that know your brand and are coming to Amazon to purchase, what you just did is you secured, you know, a thousand units, a thousand sales every month that -hmm. is going to allow you to actually go get the incremental 500 that just bumped you to the first page. So Mm -hmm. if you take away that thousand, now you're at 500 and you're at, you're on fifth page. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, literally like that's the math, you know, so it's without beating the drum for your brand off the platform, you are just going to have to try so much harder to win the customers that are comparison shopping. So, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of folks are really, um, a lot of folks are really anti sending traffic, like their, their own traffic from off Amazon to Amazon, especially when they have their, their own DTC. But what I will tell you, is that if you are sending some of that traffic, which by the way, you can qualify in way you can qualify those audiences in ways you can't do on Amazon when they're already there. I mean, you can do lookalike audiences, retargeting all these other things, right? Mm. If you can move an audience over to Amazon that is, you know, has a high proclivity for purchasing, especially mm. your brand that you've already qualified, you just boosted your ability and your long-term organic return. -hmm. On the platform, right? Because Mm -hmm. you can count on those customers that, you know, incrementally, month over month, that are going to come back to you and purchase again. Mm -hmm. And now all of a sudden, that, you know, getting to that first page for a really high volume head term doesn't seem so out of reach anymore because you Mm -hmm. have customers you can rely on to come back to you consistently. And now every new customer that you're winning is adding to your unit volume and informing that algorithm and and helping you compete.
0: Right. Yeah. And this is something. God, this is something I see all the time as well. Um, Like a lot of brands, especially startups, uh, you know, will be doing things like launching onto Amazon before they even have their own website necessarily. And they're counting on Amazon to, you know, they've, they've heard a lot of the get rich stories or they know, you know, some of the metrics around is 50% of e-commerce in the U S conversion rates are higher, et cetera. And they're pinning a lot of hopes and dreams on this one platform and it can be, I mean, it is a powerful platform, but um, it's, with how competitive the marketplace has gotten having an omni-channel strategy seems to me to be, to be one of the most important. It is the most important thing that you can do. It's one of the, it's one of the reasons I started this podcast,
1: right,
0: <laughs> right. Just to bring different people into the conversation about, you know, what's really working for brands in this space as far as hacking growth. Yeah. And, um, just to that, to speak to that point, are there any particular, so with lookalike audiences, um, it sounded like you're referring to social, what other platforms do you see working best in conjunction with Amazon?
1: Yeah, I, I mean, so I, I want to say one thing. I mean, I, you can launch on Amazon and Amazon only and be successful, but it's really hard and you got to be really lucky. Like really lucky. Like I've seen it happen one time, mm-hmm. once, and it. And it that one is a case study in itself, I think, but
0: mm-hmm.
1: for most this, and this goes back to your initial budget. Like you have to have enough. And and we talked about this a little bit last week too, Luke, which was, mm-hmm. if you're going to do things, do them well. And if mm-hmm. you can't do a lot of things, well, do a couple things really well, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like, and so, and that's, you know, that's not groundbreaking advice it just but it why it matters is because if you have a couple channels out there that you're 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 trying to market through um if you're spread too thin they're not going to mm-hmm. have the impact or the air or create the momentum or traction that you can build on yep. you know so focus on one or two channels that you know your customers live at so like the, the caveat is that it's go where your customers are at mm-hmm. number one which if you don't go to have a good feel for that yet, go do some testing, you know, mm-hmm. and, and invest in that. Because if you don't have a good feel for that, you're never going to be able to get the traction or, or start pouring, you know, money into channels confidently yeah. uh, and you won't have anything to compare against. So um, I do think social for Amazon in particular is probably the, the best channel. Like display mm-hmm. is kind of display is like much more down the road when you've got a brand that you're trying to go gain additional awareness for and you got bigger budgets to deal with. Mm-hmm. Search is interesting, but, but it's, it's, it's also more of a one-to-one deal where you're not getting kind of the network effect of your marketing that you maybe could just um, to just yeah.
0: to pause real quick by search. You're referring to Google,
1: Google. Yeah. I mean you yeah. Google search, Google shopping, any of the other, you know, Bing, yeah. whatever it might be. Right. Um, it it, it cuz that doesn't affect your seo like it mm. you know you're winning a one to one conversion and and so that's okay if you can do that profitably but what i would recommend for brands early on is like and this isn't right for everybody but go go build an audience uh, an organic mm. audience socially you know it, go tell people who you are I think there's a couple firms that are popping up that have micro influencers in droves mm-hmm. that um, actually have some really cool like review feedback loops mm-hmm. um, that you know are not necessarily incentivized, but they have a good passionate following of folks that the product really matters for, and mm-hmm. they're speaking to a thousand, two thousand, five thousand people that are probably going to convert a lot higher than than what some of your other you know other channels would, and so. Mm-hmm. I recommend going there first um, to the micro-influencers. And and actually, if you don't have money to do it, go do it manually, like for yourself. Like, Go figure out how to build a social audience that Mm -hmm. is relevant for your brand um, because that is going to actually just feed you for months and years to come. Mm -hmm. Um, because that network effect of getting more and more followers, you know, sharing your, sharing your content and sharing your story and getting the word out about your product, like the, the multiplicative effect of that is so much greater and you're going to see that. And actually Amazon has an attribution program now, which a lot of people don't know about because it just came out of beta, but you can actually tag all of that social media um, to see what kind of halo effect you're having on Amazon. We used to have to do this really janky through their affiliate program and just set up like unique URL redirects and stuff. Mm-hmm. You don't have to do that anymore. You can actually tag it like you would any other media, any posts, anything like that, and see what the relative effect is on Amazon and start measuring and understanding that. And you, you can do all of that literally for free. Um, if you wanna go pay like social media influencers and micro influencers, if, if I'm spending budget, that's probably where I'm starting. Cause you also get the, the, you get the huge bonus, um, of getting some incremental reviews as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Yeah. So to, to wrap this, uh, to sort of bring it together, you know, we've talked about, um, you know, getting reviews early on, uh, we've talked about optimizing, we've talked about PPC and optimization and how they affect each other just a little bit. Uh, that alone is something we can probably spend entire podcast talking about. Definitely. Um, yep. uh, I want to ask you, cause I know you do talk about this. I want to um, ask you about lifetime customer value and how to keep customers coming back on a platform that's kind of a black box. Yeah.
1: Yeah. This is, uh, this is kind of my, it's a little bit of my pulpit um, mm-hmm. because I, I think people miss this a lot. So one of the, one of the terms out there in the industry right now, and it has been is taco which is total average or tacos, total advertising mm-hmm. cost of sales. You know, there's platforms that use this, people use this. And, and what it does is it basically says, well, I spent this much in ads this month and I made this much on, on the platform overall. What was my total advertising cost of sale, mm-hmm. right? Relative to the total. That's an interesting number, but it <laughs> still is, it's still based on one time purchase. Mm -hmm. And so what a lot of folks are missing, especially in the consumer goods space or in grocery and gourmet health and health, you know, anybody that has multiple purchases of your brand, if you're not a super high price item, you are not seeing the full picture of how much that customer is actually worth to you over the lifetime of however long they stay with you. So Mm -hmm. theoretical example, let's say you have a $20 price point product and you spend $15 to win that customer. So let's say you have a 75% Mm ACOs on non brand terms, meaning like for all those head terms you were targeting, it's costing you 75 cents to make every dollar Mm -hmm. like, man, I only have a 20% margin to to begin with after Amazon takes out its its fees and everything else. Like I'm in the red on this product. Okay. Super interesting. Right? Because you're like, I can't sustain this. There's no way that this is going to work. Um, what you are not seeing is that if you just won that customer and they come back to you five times, that's hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now you might have to pay incrementally to get them back by covering your own brand. And let's, so let's say I want to make the math complicated, but they come back to you five times over the lifetime of their relationship with you. You get hundred dollars in revenue from them and you paid $15 initially to acquire them. Mm-hmm. What's your ACOS? 15% okay so seventy five percent to fifteen percent when you're actually looking at the lifetime in this when which by the way, in these types of industries, especially you know the food um, you know re- re- renewable goods, things like that like they're going to come back to you if you do the right things to build the brand and so uh you know I talk about this a lot because I think people miss the they miss the whole picture of what you actually should be thinking about to a, and and how much you're willing to invest to acquire a customer for the first time. Mm -hmm. Um, the ones that do it really well are talking to those customers all the time. I I mentioned the feedback was like being able to uh, email those folks that you know are first time purchasers, make Mm -hmm. them love you, like give them things, you know, tell them (laughs) your story, literally like win them over because you have something good to offer them. And, and if you do that, um, the biggest piece of this, which I, this, I I would be totally remiss in not mentioning this. Now we're looking at the total lifetime value of the customer, right? Mm -hmm. That 75% ACoS didn't look great to begin with. It looks a lot better when you think if they're going to purchase from you five times and you know, they're a new customer, right? Mm -hmm. What you're also not accounting for is that you just informed Amazon's algorithm that you are super relevant for smart water bottle.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Okay. And if you are getting those conversions, your, your organic ranking should be improving as well. Mm-hmm. So every time you get that, there is a really vir- virtuous uh, feedback loop that is happening. And you're saying, okay, not only did I win a sale for a new customer, but I also, uh, w- I also informed the algorithm that I'm really relevant for this. And if my organic ranking improves because of that, and it should, because they're taking that into account, um, all of a sudden I'm going to have to pay less and less for that over time. Because mm-hmm. uh, of two things: number one, organically you're showing up really high on the first page, and number mm-hmm. two, you're going to get more efficient in your ad spend because Amazon's going to reward you for that.
0: So let me let me ask you this: in a platform in which uh, on a platform in which it is very much against TOS to offer um, incentives, you're talking about giving customers things. You're talking about really engaging with them in your brand. We're talking about a platform that, you know, limits the kinds of ways you can limit with customers where you can opt out of receiving emails from sellers at all on a, on just a, on just a process level. How do you recommend actually, you know, you have a brand, like I've bought from a once. How do you, how do you engage me? What is, what is the method?
1: Yeah. I mean, methods. Yeah. On seller side, it's email is the, is the best and most direct. Um, Mm -hmm. Other than that, uh, there's very few ways to do it. Uh, the couple things that you can do, the couple touch points is respond to every single review that comes in, good or bad. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter. Bad ones you should be already been out ahead of and you should be trying to mitigate those immediately. Mm-hmm. good ones, re- good reviews, thank them. Um mm-hmm. and tell them like we really appreciate it. Uh, you know, and then through email though, can I pause out. you there just yeah, for go, a second? So all ahead. the views that come
0: in because there's a different, there's a couple of different ways to get in touch with folks and especially people are leaving reviews under pseudonyms, then it can be impossible to tell which order it came from. Are you talking about trying to get in touch, uh, trying to thank them and mitigate get the negative reviews? Obviously, for negative reviews, you want to mitigate this through email as much as you can. But even with the positive reviews, are you suggesting finding who they are and messaging them directly in email are you talking about simply commenting on the detail page?
1: Commenting on the detail page to begin with. It's really hard to track down those reviews yes. because of your yes. point of the pseudonyms and things like that. Um, so, but, but it doesn't matter. If you respond to the review, they're going to get a notification and they're going to feel like you saw them, mm-hmm. which that's all anybody ever wants. If they leave (laughs) a bad review, like if they leave a negative review, it's because they just wanted to be heard. They Mm -hmm. want you to, they want to know that you heard their feedback and that it matters. And if you can tell them that, because it does matter, uh, you know, they will get an indicate, they will get a notification that that happened. I mean, it's just, Mm -hmm. it's, it's kind of one-on-one. It's like, just, just be a human, like talk to them, you Mm -hmm. know? And, and, and those are the brands that I've seen just do really, really well is the ones that are committed to, really great customer service from the very beginning. And that's what they spent the most time on. And, and, mm-hmm. and you know, email opt outs aside, like if you can get those emails delivered, which you know, a good chunk of them are going to go through. Um, when I say give them something, I don't mean give them something and ask for a review. I mean, give them something because they're an awesome customer. Mm-hmm. So if they are, if they come back their third time, if they purchased three times for you, you're like, you're a great customer. You just made me a hundred dollars. And I know that the average, uh, you know, the average order value in my, in, in, in my catalog. And, um, I feel like you deserve something like here's mm-hmm. a 50% off code for your next purchase. Right. Mm-hmm. Like uh, just, just make them happy. Like, uh, make them love you. And, and you're, it's going to go a long way. Um, you know, because that word of mouth is something that you can't track, but I've seen a couple brands that have no other presence other than Amazon are now, and are now at the, you know, 20, 30, 50,000 impression mark, um, mm-hmm. for their own brand terms, which is, you know, a huge asset.
0: Mm-hmm. And all just through effective customer engagement, just making, being the brand that customers fall in love with.
1: That's it. It really is. It, it, it sounds simple. It's a lot of work and it's very manual, but it yeah. is so, so worth it. It's so mm-hmm. worth it. If you do anything like inventory, reviews
0: hmm yep all right I hear you so is there anything else that we want to add to um, lifetime value of a customer and how to keep them how to keep them coming back or uh, for Amazon purposes specifically because this could branch into a much wider discussion but for Amazon specifically yeah. um, responding in every way possible um, on the review side and then just trying to engage through through email where appropriate is there anything else that you recommend doing
1: understand what people order, you know, understand like, and this is kind of hard to get to, but in the orders data, you can pull that data and see like, okay, if somebody orders this, mm-hmm. they commonly order this next. Or mm-hmm. if they've ordered, like you can get really smart about this, especially with the triggers that I mentioned with feedback quiz now like first time purchasers, purchasers, second time purchasers. If you have a good understanding of what that mix is, you can start anticipating what they should come back for um and, and start rewarding them for that you can start incentivizing them for that um you know it, the second that a, a person becomes a second time purchaser from you you all of a sudden made a heck of a lot more profit than you did mm. the first time so don't like it's everybody knows that it's way more expensive to acquire a new customer or uh, it's way more expensive to let's see if i can say this right acquire a new customer than keep a, a returning one right mm-hmm. so do the work to keep the returning one by understanding what they purchase and what their patterns are. Um, and, and if you do that, if you get really close to that information, it's not going to be just relevant for Amazon. It's going to inform like all, all your other channels and how people right. shop through it. Right. Right. Um, and that's really, really important to understand. Is like, what are the combos of things that people purchase from us? Like what are we communicating that we have other really great stuff, but they mm-hmm. only found this one thing like cross sell upsell, downsell through your catalog to make sure that they know and, and, and educate your customers so that they know how these how these products complement each other. You know, I think Mm -hmm. that's a really important thing. Like, is it clear in your customer's mind why these products exist? And you should have a very clear understanding of that based on your line mapping. Right.
0: One thing that I want to point to, especially in food and beverages is, uh, variety packs tend to do very well. Um, I mean, it's hard to speak in absolute rules, but it's been rare that I've seen that not be, Mm -hmm. uh, not be effective. Uh, people really like uh, online specifically and grocery, this actually, and like physical grocery stores, this can actually be very different, but online, especially people like to -hmm. try different things, especially for a deal. Um, one of the ways that I've, uh, one of the, one of the things that I've implemented with, um, uh, with a lot of clients and other, um, and just, uh, advice that i've given to some brands who are trying to you know really develop uh develop um their their brand presence and get customers to actually order multiple things in your catalog is to have a you can experiment with things like having a a semi-permanent discount for buy one get x percent off of something and that's something that's like you set that up and that's not manual to keep going you just have a begin date and an end date and you can measure whether or not people are actually using it right um and you can see what Percentages are actually working for you, um, and it all depends on your margins and all these other things but mm-hmm. um, there's uh, brand building an amazon pat once we 're past all of the all of the optimizations um, a lot of it can be very in my experience it's a lot of it can be very time consuming and there's some like back that you kind of have to do in order to in order to try to make that happen um
1: maybe just a soundbite to add to that Luke too because mm-hmm. I think you hit on it but for folks that listen in I mean if you are cash poor if, you, if you're tight on cash at the time mm-hmm. use your inventory as a marketing tool so one thing we haven't mentioned at all are the giveaways and promos right, right. you already purchased the inventory mm-hmm. right and and there are I don't want to get too far into this because this is like a whole nother, you know, uh, lever to pull, mm-hmm. but you mentioned it, It's like, look, if you set up these coupons and these promotions, like I think what we're talking about is not only understanding how people purchase through your catalog mm-hmm. and what they purchase in combination. It's also understanding their customer life cycle. It's right. like, you know, as they mature and as they, as they understand your brand and they kind of navigate through it, start to kind of just get a feel like you can do this through your orders analysis to kind of understand, like, what sh- what what are they going to consistently purchase next like as they're getting you know maybe tired of my brand what can i bring to them that's new um you know and you can start building those workflows into your point about like okay if i know that they always buy the lemon lime 20 count you know mm-hmm. and it's like okay well from there um maybe if i get them to try passion fruit for the first time uh that's actually going to be a win because they're going to come back for that one instead and you know, that is it kind of full circle on your variety pack comment is just simply when people first land on a brand, they don't want to pay a ton to try it. And they want to get a good idea for how they want to get a good idea for for what is all available. The variety pack is an awesome entry point into the brand. Now, once you get them to buy the variety pack, what you have to optimize for is what should they buy next? Mm -hmm. You know, and if you understand that about your second time purchasers, like if you look at their second order and usually it's, you know, this flavor in this count at this time, that's a trigger, right? Mm -hmm. 30 days after they typically trigger this flavor in this serving size, throw them a 10% discount. And
0: Mm -hmm. if you
1: can get them in as a second time customer, you know, your LTV just changed uh, incrementally Mm -hmm. or, and actually probably pretty significantly.
0: Yep. No, this is, I'm, I, I love all this. This is that. this is the kind of, as the, as this marketplace is heated up, um, this is the, exactly the kind of granular work that a lot, like, I don't see a lot of marketers or a lot of agencies going to this length. Like it's, it it's a can't. rare thing. It's a rare thing to dive this far into the conversation with a lot of these, with a lot of these folks, because it's still, like we're still in the days where it's very, very recent memory of you can get onto Amazon and do anything as long as it's a a reasonably good strategy mm-hmm. and succeed. Mm-hmm. And now and now we've gotten to a point where, you know, in particular, as we've mentioned uh a couple of times, you know, for small brands who are just trying to like figure out like what how to thread the needle to success, um, diving farther and farther into the metrics is and and doing a lot of these extra um a lot of these extra measures really does pay off because you're going to talk to a lot of people who are going to have, you know, some very like, you know, simple strategies that have worked Mm -hmm. that have worked, but it's, we're entering into a A a point where even if you're a brand that is established, like you have to start thinking a lot more about these numbers Mm -hmm. than you had to in the past.
1: Yeah. It comes back to the Omnichannel as well, which is Mm -hmm. like have a coordinated strategy, like know where Amazon fits. If it's this Island thing that nobody understands and it just kind of operates on its own. Um, it's not going to be nearly as successful and, and neither will your brand right? Mm -hmm. Because you know, you're also winning new customers for your brand that now know about it, that you can leverage in some different ways. Right. Mm -hmm. But I I think it's just, it kind of comes back to the comment of like, choose a couple things and do them really well. You don't have to do it all, but you kind of, there is, there are some kind of sequence of events. We talked about them a little bit, you know, about getting some things, your house in order to start with. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's, I think what's more important is like what a lot of people do is they're like, well, I set that up and then I forgot about it for six months. Mm -hmm. And, and, and what you really have to do is like, even if you're focusing on one thing, maybe it's a couponing workflow or something like that, just continue iterating on it. You know, just Mm -hmm. continue to make it better as you gather more data and you understand more things, both through your orders data, as well as your advertising data um, to just make it a little bit smarter and make it a little bit better, I think that's um, I think a lot of folks just kind of let it be for too long and mm-hmm. part of this too Luke is is you and I both know this really well is like look the the agency dynamic with a brand is mm-hmm. that you can 't do it all there 's yeah. just no way to do it and so the the brands have a little bit higher burden to mm-hmm. kind of figure out how to handle these things internally and develop this competency but then they're also to rely on agencies to fulfill on a couple other things and I could talk kind of ad nauseum about this but yeah. um you know it's it's just that the alignment is not perfect yet and in even agencies and brands alike they do not yet fully understand um how Amazon is different you know mm-hmm. so Amazon is much more like your D2C site than it is like uh your Google advertising mm-hmm. you know and, and I say that because your operations greatly affect your ability to grow in market. Yeah, And so if you don't have those things right, everything else you do is going to be, you know, kind of hamstrung um, mm-hmm. and it's not going to be nearly as effective as it would be otherwise. And so you kind of got to grow in stages. You got to do the fundamental things first. You got to then start leveling up to some of the other programs that are available. And then you got to get then you got to start getting analytical about, uh, you know, how you're approaching the platform and, and really mm-hmm. get intimate with, you know, how your customers perceive your product.
0: Right. No, I totally. Yeah. I, <laughs> yeah, I, I hear you. I hear you loud and clear. Um, so I'm just looking over a couple of other uh, questions that I have you uh, uh, while I have you here. Um, so for, for brands that, you know maybe they're they're doing some of the number crunching and they realize that oh like you know we don't really have the budget to um to you know compete with a lot of these uh with a lot of the competitors you know right off the bat um or maybe they don't even have a budget to get into PPC at all like, right now would you still advise getting on Amazon no really not at all
1: look i mean this is just you show me the numbers, right? I mean, first, mm-hmm. but if you don't know where your breakeven point is on Amazon, mm-hmm. don't start. You better build that model first, right? Mm-hmm. Because if you are investing in inventory and a whole lot of other things and you're cash strapped and you need to sell 3000 units before you're even close, like you need to be really realistic about how long it's going to take you to sell those 3000 units and whether or not you can carry the, you know, the capital burden. Right, mm-hmm. like whether that's interest or otherwise. Um, you know, because there's a lot of brands that have had kind of the kiss of death because they didn't have enough cash flow to get to the next inventory turn and certainly didn't have any money to market or, you know, build momentum on Amazon. Now that mm-hmm. that's kind of an extreme, and I don't want to sound like an alarmist in any way, shape, or form.
0: Mm-hmm. All
1: I'm saying is that I think the perception the general perception is that Amazon, you know, is set it up and you'll get sales.
0: And, mm-hmm. and, and we just, Oh yeah. Don't... No, <laughs> it's not what I was getting at.
1: <laughs> no, no, no. I yeah. mean, but I think that, I think that's a pretty prevalent perception out there. And, and I mean, it's and it. The, the reality is though, is that you have to be strategic about, and you just have to be realistic about what you want it to be. If that's mm-hmm. all it is to you, if it is just like, I'm going to have some inventory there, that I can cover. I'm going to, or I'll, I'll, I'll merchant fulfill it for now. Like I'll fulfill Mm. it myself. That's okay. Just know what you're like, just be realistic about your goals. Like, and Mm. actually getting started, I mean, even if you don't have a marketing budget, so I'll kind of, I'll take back my strong statement to begin with. Um, but it's simply like don't incur the fees. Of Amazon fulfillment, which you need to probably be Prime, which is a whole nother discussion. Mm. But um, figure out which products are actually have the margin available for you to uh, make any kind of money on Amazon.
0: Um, yeah. So let me let me uh, let me uh, describe. Uh, let me run this bio, and by all means, feel free to disagree. Uh, but even even for small startups that don't necessarily have uh, that don't have, you know, they, you know, maybe they're, uh, they're getting their manufacturing sort of like certain aspects of, of that, their operations, you know, squared away. There's a lot of reasons why people might not be ready to, you know, invest the sheer amount of money that you need to invest in PPC over time to really see that return. I have, I have still recommended, and it always depends on the circumstance, but there's a lot of different reasons that I've recommended having a, uh, a store on Amazon, anyways and it's been for the following reasons um, and it always depends on where you are as a brand and what you're ready for mm-hmm. but um, just to have a presence on Amazon is relatively low um, if you have a store on Amazon then it keeps resellers from eating your lunch because even if you're a relatively small brand someone can get on there misrepresent your brand and then you can collect bad reviews just because a product was described incorrectly and that can be a really that can be a long and annoying at minimum problem right. to fix and mm-hmm. the other the other reason is as as all of these marketplaces evolve like e-commerce is now impacting retail and vice versa so you know a majority of americans will go will research products online before buying them physically and the majority of, pro- of product research is on amazon it's more than google now and so the very 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 bare minimum bare minimum incremental strategy that I've been suggesting to some brands has been, you know, look, you're, uh, you know, you have a website up. It's If you're really early on, you don't have a, much of a budget. It's probably not a great website. Being on Amazon can uh, legitimize you in the eyes of a lot of consumers. They'd rather buy off Amazon than buy off your own site. And you can start to collect reviews that will impact your sales both on and offline, and now there's a lot of different things that impact this. Um, like, if you think you're going to have a big market, marketing budget soon, and you can, you know, you're going to be able to push on Amazon really strongly with a powerful launch, then I suggest holding off. But if we're talking about a company that does not necessarily have investment on the horizon, that is trying, that is going to need to incrementally build, period, no matter what they do, then often I will suggest like, hey, like there is a way that you can use this tool, that you can use this platform. In a more minimal sense, that will help. Yes. Do you, um, is this something that you agree with, or would you widely disagree for various reasons? Please feel free to do either.
1: No, uh, the, no, you're spot on, Luke. Like every single grit. Um, sorry, you can you say me, that again?
0: I think that the connection, the connection. Uh, I, I, said,
1: I, said, I said you were right. Just <laughs> uh, no, but uh, that, that's the gist. Um, no, mm-hmm. the, when, when you asked me the initial question, like, would right. you advise startup brands to get on the platform?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I think I come out strong on that because for two reasons, number mm-hmm. one is because the small brands just think just, they often don't realize like the task that they have ahead of them. Right. So if they have somebody help guide them, like that's helpful. Um, number two, I was also imagining more of a firm that like very, very small, um, has no Amazon understanding, doesn't have anybody to help them. And because Mm -hmm. the reason that I don't, the reason I don't advise those folks, I think everybody you described and in what you just said are Mm -hmm. the ones that are ready to do it and should Mm -hmm. be there for all the reasons you mentioned. Right. Um, the ones that I don't want on the platform yet are the ones that aren't going to watch the reviews and aren't going to keep full and aren't going to keep it. inventory in stock.
0: I've seen like, it. It's, uh, it's you nasty. are going to do way
1: yeah. more damage to your brand and yourself if you are not watching it, if you yeah. have the, and so it, it comes down to your internal resources and your bandwidth. Like
0: mm-hmm.
1: you need to have somebody dedicated to the channel. And if you, I mean they can do other things, but this is like going to be a big task. Like if you do not have somebody identified to run Amazon and be responsible for it, it's going to get messy and, yeah. and, it's, and it's going to be harder to recover from. To your point about like also like you don't want resellers to start taking, you know, capitalizing on your brand presence, like mm-hmm. yes, agreed. I mean, once you have enough brand presence for a reseller to be like, oh, I only want to like you know jump on that. Mm-hmm. Yes, you should be on Amazon. I'm talking like very early stage when you only have a few folks in house that are doing a whole lot of things at once Mm -hmm. um, and are just, they're throwing stuff up on Amazon and hoping that it it works without like kind of paying attention to the customer service aspect of it. It's the, it's the reviews. That's what it comes down to
0: for me. Yeah, Yeah, no, I've, um, I mean it's an interesting discussion because like a lot there's a lot of consultants and marketers out there that will refuse to work with uh, like they'll only want to work with brands that are doing like 50k a month at least or something like this or they will advise against launching online until you have a certain amount of budget but just just talking with the amount of uh you know startup founders that um that I do and um just you know seeing uh how the platform behaves it seems like there is it seems like there is an increment, like there, um, there are incremental ways to still use the platform to success, as long as you one have someone to actually watch it and take care of it, like you just said, um, and two, you are extraordinarily clear on what is realistically possible for what you're putting into it. Um, and this gets again wraps back into the to omni channels we were talking about. If you're this early on, um, there are tests on social you can do for product validation and audience testing that are enormously important. Mm-hmm um and it it really it depends on what resources you have at the time and what most of all is working for you as you test and you go like at the end of the day we're forming hypotheses and testing them and then going with what's working well but um i i am a big supporter of uh finding the best way to use this tool and that there are there are tried and true uh there are there are rules to the game. There are ways to use it and ways not to use it. Um, But one really, really interesting um, topic to me is, you know, as the marketplace gets more complicated, you know, what does, uh, what does, you know, a large brand strategy, you know, look like that does have uh, a war chest and can just like gun after a lot of these head terms and try to dominate them from the outset Um, versus, you know, the, the small guy that's coming on there and like, there's a lot of these mom and pop shops, you know, like there's, they're staking a lot, they're staking a lot on, you know, their success, uh, the success mm-hmm. of, of their, of their brand. Um, and the differences between what those two strategies are is enormously interesting to me.
1: Yeah. Uh, it's a huge topic. I mean, generally speaking, I think mm-hmm. the difference is for smaller to midsize brands is you need to be more focused uh, into whatever, you know, strategies. So whether that's in PP- that, that applies to PPC, it applies to your omni-channel efforts, it applies to your products and catalog. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, be more narrow and more focused on a couple things and do them mm-hmm. very well. For a large brand, a large brand will often have way more data to work with. Right and so best, for a yeah. large brand, okay, a couple of things connect your channels as best you can. So that includes Mm. the attribution program, leveraging some of the DSP data. It includes, um, you know, building out, uh, you know, your email workflows uh, that are very similar to what you're doing on your DTC site, coordinating your promotions and advertising across the channels to make sure they're consistent. Like if you're running a deal here, are you running a deal here? Like, you know, so for a big brand, I think it first starts with like connect the dots where you can. So draw your Venn diagrams of where these data points cross over. Um, and then secondly, like to really level up, start leveraging the data. You know, mm-hmm. you you are going to have a ton of information about how people think about your product, talk about your product, uh, review your product, buy your product in what mix. Um, and then you're going to have a bunch of information from your website about your CRM and your database and your audience uh, chemistry and your makeup and what they buy and how they do it, what channels mm-hmm. they're in, you know. I think it becomes much more of like when you are doing something in one channel, let's call it Amazon. Are you using the data you have in other channels to inform it and vice versa? Because Amazon, in my opinion, is a rich source of data that a lot of people do not uh, pay attention to. It's, it's conversion data that you aren't going to get anywhere else. Like you're, they're telling you how well you convert on a search phrase for you know something that really matters for your for your product and for your brand like that's it's a ton of information about product validation and mm-hmm. your reviews like what are the things that people are getting stuck on or hung up on like that might be something you need to go fix in manufacturing and product design you know mm-hmm. so it's like i think you have a plethora of data um, you have to organize that data and then use that data to use to, to basically inform what you're doing in both Amazon as well as in your other strategies. I think those are the biggest differences is that you can go a lot wider with, as a large brand. So therefore mm-hmm. use those layers of data to like inform those things as a as a smaller brand like be narrow and like and and focus your efforts because it kind of all comes back to are you having compounding growth? Basically like the dollar you spend in ads, are you getting like compound returns out of that? Mm -hmm. Or are you spread way too thin to have any kind of impact,
0: um, you know, on the platform. Right. Yeah. Um, just one or two more questions for you. Um, uh, what is a current challenge in your own business?
1: (laughs) All of it. I (laughs) I mean, uh, yeah, literally like, um, I think our, our challenge, Luke, is that, hmm, how do I say this? We, we're building a product and we're not really sure yet who our customer is, which I, mm-hmm. I, I shouldn't even say that out loud. I might have to have you edit that out. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, look, we, we came from the agency side, so we're, we're solving mm-hmm. agency problems first. Um, but we also had a lot of time. To, to delve into these problems. And so we're still kind of trying to figure out where we can provide the most value for folks. And, and so it's, um, we're caught a little bit in between you know, people just needing a bid automation tool mm-hmm. and the analytics layer that we've built that really helps you level up your game to the, you know, to the next stage mm-hmm. um, and conversations that are much more informed, like people just aren't there yet. You know, Mm -hmm. so we, we have to kind of, we have to reform our thoughts a little bit and meet the market where it's at. And, um, you know, I think we're doing that in in some of the changes that we have coming out in our platform, but it's, we're very early, you know, we're still just Mm -hmm. trying to talk to people and listen to people. And I think it's just gathering the right people in the room to understand like what direction we need to go. Right. Yeah. Um,
0: and finally, where can we find you? Website, uh,
1: yeah, LinkedIn is the best place, like hit me up. I'm, I'm very active there and just talking to people. I, I love the conversations that happen there. Um, Sam Hager, H A G E R on LinkedIn, um, Sam Hager at dash applications.com. Like shoot me a line mm-hmm. and we're, and you know, we do training and consulting as well. So, I mean, if there, if you have questions throw them my way, I mean, I'm happy mm-hmm. to, I'm happy to help. Like I, I try to help everybody that I can. Um, you know, cause I think, I also just think there's a responsibility to put good information out there, yeah. Because um, I think there's some bad information out there, not just like mm-hmm. from folks in the Amazon world, but from folks that don't understand the Amazon world. And, mm-hmm. and so um, I try to just be a good purveyor of of good information.
0: So, mm-hmm. all yeah. right. Um, well, thank you so much uh, yeah. for your time here. Um, this is a ton of fun. Uh, super happy to have you on. And uh, yeah. Uh, and until next time. Uh, absolutely, Luke, thanks for having
1: me, and uh, you know best of luck with all the brands.
0: Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> you too. That's <Sure laughs> right. take, take care. care.